Johan Skepers joins us on what's next. And Johan Skepers is the senior manager, solutions architects for Sub-Saharan Africa at Red Hat. Johan, it's a great pleasure to welcome to welcome you to what's next. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Aki. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a great pleasure. Now, Johan, uh, we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic about modernizing, about automation. And I guess that uh, that COVID-19 has certainly fast-tracked a lot of these functions uh, within organizations as organizations digitize on a very aggressive manner. You know, working remotely, I guess, has uh, forced us to make and adapt and do many, many changes and including modernizing our IT infrastructure. Now, when we're talking about modernizing and automation and uh, automate per se. Why is this so important in the IT infrastructure? Aki, I wish I could say it's uh, to make us as IT professionals lives easier. But I think in reality, what you sort of touched on already uh, in, the COVID, in the COVID world, what we are basically seeing from, from a business point of view is that budgets are fairly flat at the moment. And in some cases, they are actually, they are actually decreasing. Um, but in opposed to that, we are actually seeing infrastructure expanding at rapid pace, as well as the, the, the speed of development increasing as well. So that creates a, a bit of an interesting dilemma for us, where, you know, the cliche of the let's do, uh, we have to do more with less comes to the forefront almost in every customer we speak to. So by automating, um, it definitely buys us quite a lot here. So it buys us consistency. Uh, consistency helps us to eliminate uh, errors. Uh, it gives us repeatability. So in other words, if I've gone through a manual process and I've stuck to you know, my security protocols, my, you know, all my steps and standards in, in my organization, you know, that, that also to help me secure the environment a bit better, that obviously leads to increased productivity, which then once again gives us a bit of time back on that more with less. You know, as IT professionals, we get a bit of time back because that repetitive task I've now automated and I basically just, you know, hit a key and, and, and run a playbook. So, I mean, what, what are those common cases and common use cases for automation? Where, when do you actually decide I'm going to automate this process? You know, Aki, we, we're seeing a lot of use cases, different use cases, different departments. So I'm, I'm just going to mention a couple of them. There's obviously much more than this. So obviously orchestration. You know, configure, configuration management of servers, you know, application deployment, provisioning of new servers in the cloud, for argument's sake, you know, continuous delivery. And obviously that most important bit that we always, you know, everyone talks about today is a security threat response. There's also a good use case for automation. In addition to that, Aki, you know, um, self-healing infrastructure is something that's coming to the forefront. And you basically cannot achieve that if you haven't done a lot of automation in your, you know, in your industry or in your enterprise. Okay, so I mean, there's uh, as you're talking there, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, wow, there, there are actually a lot of uh, interesting cases for automation. But I like the self-healing thing that you spoke about uh, at the moment, almost uh, adding a, a human factor to, to a network, to the self-healing, which is such an important one. But you, you may, when you look at these use cases, um, what, what kind of devices can you look at automating? Are there devices that you can automate? You know, Aki, I think in, in the world we live in today, we're software defined. I think you're familiar with the terms. It yes. made our lives as IT professionals so, so much easier. 
So basically, if I, I put it into to a category, if I can manually configure it or change it or change a configuration, um, you know, in my enterprise, I can basically, and I can talk to it, i.e. I've got connectivity to it, I can basically automate it to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing in, in the market, you know, it's not only us that's driving automation, you, you know, it's also some of our ecosystem partners that's also now getting involved and saying, look, you know what? If, if I want to sell my, my software application or I want to, you know, sell some hardware, I want to enable, you know, our customers out there to be able to, you know, just quickly fire these up. So they even starting to write automation plays, you know, for our end users to do. So that there is really so much you can do. Uh, you know, as I said, I just need to be able to, to be able to configure it and, co- and communicate with it. When you look at the adoption stages, Johan, I mean, uh, when do you start deciding what, to adopt this automation phase that you're talking about? And I'm talking about particularly on the enterprise side, end to end. What are those adoption stages? You can't just jump into it straight. You know, you've got to plan these things and you've got to have certain stages to get to the point that we're talking about, right? Exactly, Aki. And I think you've nailed it there. Start with a plan. So now all good plans, you need to get to your foundation. Uh, you know, if we look at that foundation, what, what do we need in that foundation? First of all, one of the most important parts we, we need is a cross-functional team in our enterprise or in our company. So that, that is really important, cross-functional, you know, across, across all those divisions. And then you set up a, basically a standard for initial automation workflow. From that foundation, you basically take your next step and you create your automation strategy end-to-end. Mm. So you sit down and saying, look, what, what in my organization can I automate and to what level do I want to automate? Starting, obviously, from the foundation to the end point. Once you've got that mapped out, the, the last phase of this is obviously the adoption phase. Now, the adoption phase, if you sort of do it in these steps, gives you quite a lot of time to expand your skills uh, from from your, your personnel point of view. And you also then need to take it on smaller, you know, bite sizes. Don't do a big bang approach. You know, take, take a couple of increments of what you want to automate. Uh, give it measurements and saying, look, this is what success will look like. And start the process slow uh, to getting into it. All right. Okay, so there's a, it's a process. And then what I'm hearing from you as well is don't rush into things because as soon as you rush into that process, this is where the mistakes happen. When you look at the uh, inhibitors to a successful automation project, what are those inhibitors? Yeah, Aki, that's also, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's obviously a lot of inhibitors, but I think the, the, the biggest inhibitor we typically see these days is we can sort of boil it down to company culture. There's a lot of silos that's being created within the organization. So I've got an IT team, I've got a development team, I've got a network team, I've got a security response team, you know, and all these teams do their own things. They've got their own tool sets. They might have actually gone down to, you know, automating their environment already with their own tool set. Mm. So that, that's one of the inhibitors. And obviously, if we look at that, now, now skill becomes the issue because they're running three, four, five different tool sets. And when I create that cross-functional team, it's obviously a bit difficult to now educate everyone on, on the same platforms. So I, I would sort of boil it down to, you know, company culture, that breaking down of that silos, and then obviously making sure you cross-skill the team as much as possible in the technology you pick. 
You know, it's amazing, Johan, uh, whoever you talk to about change, and in particular environments such as the one we're talking about, uh, IT change, any kind of infrastructure change, the, 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 it's the human element that is the most, uh, uh, the element that really slows down the process. You know, people are afraid of change. People have their own thoughts about change. But it's, it's interesting that the digitization process we talk about, it's, it's the human change that is the most difficult one to overcome. So it's an interesting point you make there. When you look at this change that's taking place, who do you get involved in this process? When we talk about auto automation, does it, is it a process that's driven right from the top down? Who's involved in this process? You know, Aki, I spoke about that cross-functional team. And uh, I would always say, you know, all the departments or divisions uh, in, in the company, you know, the enterprise company, or even in the company needs to be involved. And that team should really consist of your, your development team, your development operations team, you know, your IT team, your operations team, your IT operations team, obviously the security team, uh, the network team. And I think it's really important to include line of business, you know, in this as well, because, you know, if everyone sits together and they create that collaborative spirit to say, look, this is our end goal. We want to try and automate as much as possible to make our lives easier, to make sure that we've got, you know, our environment is secure. This is repeatable because we might have to do this 10, 20, 30 mm. times as we're growing. You know, if that team works together, you know, there might be some, some of the, the different teams that might have a different view and an opinion how to approach one of the challenges. So a cross-functional team across that is, is really important. Okay. And, and, and open source. I mean, open source is uh, what runs through your DNA. Uh, why open source? Why use open source in this automation process? You know, Aki, I, I think if we look at open source and open source communities, what, what are they about? Um, those communities are, are actually there to, to really uh, resolve problems, mm. you know, and drive innovation. You know, if we, we look at all the innovation around the world, you know, containers, um, all the other the buzzwords coming around, it's really been driven by open source communities to solve that specific business problems. Now, open source community, the way they approach a problem is they take the big picture and they break it into smaller chunks. And from that smaller chunks, they, they basically start working on that and, and they create rapid, you know, communication channels and um, feedback cycles, which means it speeds up development. And if you speed up development, you've obviously, you can get quicker to market with, uh, you know, with fixing those, you know, those challenges. And if we look at automation specifically, you know, nine out of 10 times, if you want to automate something, Someone in an open source community might have actually gone through the process to say, this is how we can automate it, you know, and, and supply the, uh, you know, what we refer to as a playbook to yeah. help you as a guy to start, you know, to start automating that, uh, you know, that either application that you, you want to do or configuration change you want to do or server spin up whatever uh, your, your needs are around that. Yeah, so an open source certainly has uh, some advantages in this whole process. And, and where does Red Hat fit into this? Because you guys, that's open source is in your DNA. So where do you fit into this automation process and open source at the same time? Okay, very good question. So Red Hat is an enterprise software company with an open source development model. So we work with our open source communities to take our enterprise customers, you know, problems and needs to that community to basically help us develop a solution for that. So once we get that back from them, 
Mm. We obviously review what we've got back from them and we make it enterprise ready, which is very important because obviously enterprise software, you want to make sure that, you know, it's ready for enterprise consumption. In addition to that, we then obviously go and we offer our customers a subscription service. This subscription service, you know, includes a couple of points. Um, and if you allow me, I'll just expand a bit on that. You know, in, in open source, as I said to you, there's this rapid release of software. So the first thing as part of the subscription we offer our customers is longer supported life cycles of software. So obviously in the enterprise, you don't want to, you know, every second week update your software. You want to stick to a build and you want to most probably, you know, keep it there as long as possible, not to, to drive more complexity. So first of all, as I said, we, we give you the, the ability to keep longer on that software release cycle. And we obviously supply your updates. As there's issue coming around, uh, you, you get updates to obviously address that. The second point is that's actually quite important is a dedicated security response team. Uh, in the world today, what we're seeing, you know, vulnerabilities are found in software. You need to, you need to be able, able to respond to that in quite a fast manner. So we've got that team that res respond to that. We then additionally to that also got a wide ecosystem of partners. Now that is important to understand, you know, we work in that ecosystem to take the software and make sure it works on hardware platforms, software platforms, and it actually gives the customer, you know, the reassurance that if they deploy our technology, you know, it'll work on the platforms they've selected. So we've got quite a broad ecosystem. Uh, proactive an analytics is something that we also offer as part of this, um, this description, and uh, we call that insights. And that's to help, you know, identify and resolve potential performance issues and security threats. We obviously, as, as a lot of other companies do, we supply customers obviously with documentation so they can get most of our products. And we obviously offer training and consulting services to make sure customers get most of you know, that subscription. So it's, it's really baked in to the, the Red Hat DNA uh, with the security and all the other things. Because, I mean, those are obviously massive concerns, uh, but the ingredients of open source are there baked in with the expertise and uh, intelligence of Red Hat. Um, and I guess that's where the enterprise side comes in. And it's so important to the points that you've just made. When you talk about the available technology, um, what, what does Red Hat offer in terms of available technology to take customers on this automation journey, help customers achieve the automation that they require? Okay, we, we've obviously got quite a broad you know, portfolio of products, but if we look specifically at enterprise automation, uh, I'm going to refer to Red Hat, you know, uh, Ansible automation platform, which, which makes it easier for you to control, you know, manage and scale your automation process. But we're not only limited to obviously that side, we also offer Red Hat process automation, which then ties up with business and development to take some of those business processes and also automate those. Mm. So we basically give you best of both worlds, if you understand what I mean. So we can do the IT infrastructure as well as some of all that business processes you need to tie up and make sure it runs through you know, seamlessly in your environment. See, so Johan, I mean, there's there's a full scale of uh, of of solutions that you have. Should people want to automate, uh, you 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 take uh, the customer, you take them on the journey, you uh, understand what the customer's needs are for automation, and basically at Red Hat, the solutions are there. Um, and and I guess that 
it's possible as well, and I guess you have to with automation, right, is to, to kind of customize what a customer wants because not every piece of automation is unique. So everyone has a specific need, and I guess that there has to be some kind of customization that needs to take place. Absolutely, Aki, and I think that's where we tied up, obviously, with our consulting services and our open approach. Um, we work with our customers to say, look, you know, we've got a cookie cutter approach. These are the type of devices that there's already what we refer to as a playbook. And a playbook is simply, you know, a set of commands. How do I configure this device or how do I change the configuration? But for those more bespoke environments, we've obviously got the consulting services to help those customers achieve what they need. Johannes Kepers, Senior Manager Solutions Architects for Sub-Saharan Africa at Red Hat. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, telling us about the solutions that Red Hat has when it comes to automation and the importance of automation in the, the world that we're living in today. Certainly, COVID-19 has changed many parameters and it's something that companies are looking at on a, on a very serious matter to, to see exactly which processes they can automate to add that agility and uh, make their businesses run a lot smoother. Johan Skepers, thank you for joining us on What's Next. Thank you, Aki. As always, a great pleasure to have a conversation with you. Thank you. Thanks for your time, sir. Thank you.